oh no, I don't have an anger issue. I don't get mad at anything. And so I started keeping track. The last couple of weeks, I just kept track of all the things that I got mad at. And so I'm on my way to work the first day, and I'm like, all right, do I get mad? And so I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, I really don't think I do. And so I'm driving in the fast lane on I-15, and there's this car that I see him up ahead of me, and he hits his brakes, and he's going like 30 miles an hour in the fast lane. All the cars are whizzing by him in the carpool lane and every other lane, and I found myself getting angry. I wanted to ram my car into the back of his car as hard and as quickly as I could because it's like, dude, what are you doing? All the cars are looking at him. Everybody's honking, and I was instantly angry. Then a couple days later, I'm driving in the fast lane again to work. I look over, and there's a lady reading the newspaper, okay, putting on makeup and driving. I, I just stood, you know, stayed right next to her in my car. I just watched her. It's like unbelievable. I was angry because I'm like, she's going to plow into some innocent lady with a little kid in the back because she's too busy reading the paper, paper and doing her makeup, and she has no idea. And then a couple days ago, I saw a dude shaving. Okay, he had the electric razor thing, and he's like shaving on his way to work, and I was just angry instantly. So I don't know what the deal is with my anger, but it comes out at the craziest times. What about this? Ladies, you guys go to the separate little potty room. Guys, go to the urinal. Guys, what's with the urinal that we love to put our gum in the urinal? Okay, we love to just spit it in there. I don't understand, but I see the gum in there and I get angry because I'm like, somebody has to come and pick up that gum. Ugh, we only talk about that. So Friday, I'm at Costco. So my wife is pregnant. She's three months pregnant, which is way exciting. But um, she's, cra- yeah, totally. <laughs> so uh, she's crab, or she's crab. She's craving crab legs, okay? And so being the generous husband I am, I'm like, let me go get them for you. So go to Costco get five crab legs. I'm walking up to the checkout. Okay, I'm walking up and some stinking mom takes her little cart and she cuts right in front of me. Okay, right as I'm walking up to the checkout, she has one of those carts that are like heaping full of stuff. Okay, and so now I'm, I'm behind her this whole time holding my crab legs. And I want to just wring them around her neck. You know, I'm like, can't you just let me go? I have five crab legs and you have like 50 gazillion items. And I was instantly angry. The other day, we get a group of our friends together and we want to go to the Cheesecake Factory on opening night. Okay, not a good idea. And so one of our friends showed up at 4.30 and put our name in, and they're like, it's going to be a three-hour wait. I'm like, perfect. We'll go home, we'll shower, get ready to go. So I get my bride all dressed up, and we're getting ready to go on this date, and we're excited, and we go to Cheesecake Factory. We haven't eaten all day because we're like, man, the portions are so big. You know, we'll just you know, you know, starve, you know, starve ourselves all day so that we can eat this huge heaping meal. And so we get to Cheesecake Factory, and they're like, oh, five minutes. Five minutes, we'll get you to your table. And we're sitting there over an hour just getting frustrated by the men. I'm like, do you understand? I have a pregnant wife here, you know, and the hostess could just care less, just doing her own thing. So we waited an hour longer than what we were supposed to. I was just instantly angry. And this is the last one. Again, we're in the movies with the friends the other day, and so we're sitting there in the movie, and some dude behind us, his phone rings. Okay, not only does it ring, he answers his phone, okay, during the movie, is having a full-on conversation with his son about a Nintendo game, okay, during the middle of the movie. I wanted to take his phone, chuck it out the exit door, and be like, dude, just rent it when it comes out on DVD. I was so instantly angry. And so I thought, I started thinking, why in the world do we get angry so quickly? You know, I didn't think it was an issue for me, but obviously it is. I think part of the reason why we get so angry is that we have a McDonald's fast food mentality for our lives. Everything is quick and efficient, and we got to get it, and we have to get, keep going. Let me explain it. So watching TV... There used to be like 70 channels on cable. Now there's like 700 or 7,000 channels, you know. The second you get bored with something, you just flip the channel. I I no longer have to watch any commercials. I can fast forward through them. 
Is this the mentality? I, I now buy my movies. I don't have to go to Blockbuster or Hollywood Video. I push a button on my remote control, and it buys them. That's the, that's the environment that we live in. McDonald's. Okay, the other day I'm sitting at my desk. I'm like, I'm kind of hungry. I, and I thought of McDonald's instantly. I don't know why. So Because it, it, it totally doesn't leave you satisfied. But I hop, I'm not kidding you, I leave my desk, hop in my car, go through the drive-thru, eat my meal, and I'm back at my desk in 12 minutes. Okay? Fast food mentality lives, we all have them. The drive-thru. We now do drive-thru banking. You don't have to go in and talk to the teller. You just go in, slip it in the thing, push go, and you're done. I don't get this one. In Salt Lake, we have drive-thru department of motor vehicles. Okay, so right down the road here, you can go and you can get your driver's license and your license plates, I guess, through the drive-thru. Unbelievable. But that's the mentality that we've gotten. Everything in our lives, we want it fast, we want it efficiently. I think that's a lot of times why we get angry. And we have good reasons why we get angry. For some of us, we're like, you know what? I was just born that way. You know, I'm too busy. I'm overworked. I'm overwhelmed. It's my personality. Or we're like, I'm entitled to get angry. I make good money. I'm going to pay for that service. I should get it done right and efficiently. But the real reason why we get angry, guys, has nothing to do with our personality. It has nothing to do with our circumstances. The real reason that we get angry is that we don't feel important. We don't feel like we matter to the people around us. For instance, I go to Cheesecake Factory. I don't feel like the hostess at the place or the manager cares about me or my pregnant wife or anything about me at all. I just feel like he cares about him in the back making his little cheesecakes or whatever it is they do. You know, that's all he cares about. That's why he can let us wait four and a half hours for a table. You know, or the guy at the movie. So he's on the cell phone in the middle of the movie talking to his son. He doesn't care that I paid $8 for a ticket, $4 for a thing of popcorn, and $3 for a thing of pop. Okay, 15 bucks. He could care less about my 15 bucks. All he cares about is talking to his son in the middle of my movie. Okay, so he might as well just steal this $15 out of my wallet because he's, he, do, he doesn't care about me. It's not important. And so that's the reality. We feel angry because we don't feel important. And so every single day, guys, we stand at the crossroads with our lives. Okay, we've been talking about it this last month, and we have a choice to make. Am I going to do what I know is right in my head and in my heart, or am I going to give in to my flesh and do what I want to do and just deal with the consequences later? That's the choice that we make. It pertains to pride when it pertains to sex and money and alcohol and everything. That's the crossroads that we stand at every single day of our lives. So as it pertains to anger, we have three reactions, three ways that it usually plays out. Here's the first one. When we get angry, we flip out. Okay? We pull a Bobby Knight. We go absolutely postal on people. Okay, we get red, agitated, we begin to shake, and we just go nuts and kick things and hit things, and people know to steer clear of us. That's the first reaction. The second reaction is we pretend to the outside world that everything is cool and calm and collected, and we even put a smile on our face. But inside our heads, we're screaming every profanity we've ever heard in our lifetime. And if they knew what was really going inside, they'd think, man, who is that guy? And we just can't wait for the moment when we can go home and reach into the back of the closet where we have that stuffed animal hidden from the world and we can just rip its head off and pull the feathers out and then we can finally release a little bit of this anger that we feel that we can't show anybody in the world because they just, we'd just be embarrassing to us. And the third reaction is this, is anger comes in us, we take a deep breath and we realize that it's not worth getting angry about. And we breathe it out and we handle it in a God-honoring way that gives him glory and that makes us calm and peaceful people. In the end, 
That's the right thing to do, but it's the harder one to do by far. And so this series on Crossroads, I've been reading the book of Proverbs. So Proverbs is an awesome book. I don't know if you guys know this, but there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. So way, way cool, because there's typically 30 to 31 days in the month. And so what I do is on the 11th of November, which is today, I would read Proverbs 11. Okay, this is a great way to start your day, get you thinking in the right mindset. Just keep it beside your bed, pull it out. Tomorrow, it would be chapter 12. So, uh, but that's, that's what I do. So I've been reading Proverbs. I got some great stuff as it pertains to anger from the book of Proverbs. Here's the first one. Proverbs 29.11. Here's what it says. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. So what he's saying here is that if you want to be a fool, go Bobby Knight, go postal, give full vent to your anger and demolish stuff around you. But if you want to be a wise man, you keep yourself under control. And he's saying that what, the choice is up to you. It's either you're at a crossroads. Am I going to be Bobby Knight or am I going to keep myself totally under control? Do you guys know who Bobby Knight is? So he's the coach for IU way back when. So I, I like him. I'm from Indiana. But now he's the, he's the coach at Texas Tech. Great coach. But he just tends to go ballistic. He's the guy that throws chairs across the basketball court and goes nuts on all these refs. And they just avoid him like the plague. So I don't know if you guys knew who he was. but So that's Proverbs 29.11. Listen to this proverb. Proverb 15.1. It states this. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So somebody comes at you, and they're upset, and they're angry. If you give them a gentle answer, their anger is going to go from a 7 to a 6 to a 5. But if you give them a harsh answer, their anger is going to go from a 7 to an 8 to a 9 to a 10. They're, they are going to absolutely flip out. And so when we respond to people back and we fire back and like, no, you should do this, what happens is we make the situation worse. And that's what the, the writer of Proverbs is saying. He's saying, hey, when you get angry or when people come to you, give a gentle answer because it's going to lower everything in it. Everything is going to get better. You know, when we just respond and we get all angry, we just heighten it. We make it worse and worse and worse. And pretty soon it's out of control. And we look back and we're like, what in the world happened? Another verse I found this week is Ephesians 4, 26 through 27. This one's really great too. So this is Paul writing, and here's what he says to the people of Ephesus. He says, in your anger, do not sin. He says, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. So the first thing I thought was that, wouldn't the Bible say not to get angry? You know, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be what Jesus or Paul would want us to do, is not to get angry? He says, in your anger, do not sin. He doesn't say anything about not getting angry. But he's saying that when you do get angry, he says, do not sin in that anger. And he says, and do not let the sun go down go down while you are still angry. And I started thinking about that. And here's, here's my deduction, is that each and every single one of us, we get mad. And the anger that we feel is gonna come out at some point. It may be 10 minutes, it may be 10 hours, or 10 days, or 10 years. But the anger that we feel is gonna exude itself at some point. And what Paul is saying here is that, hey guys, we gotta get this anger out before we go to bed or it is gonna eat us alive. It's gonna make us bitter and angry people. So he's saying just get it out of your system. Do whatever you have to do to just release it so that you can feel whole again and so that we're not bitter. And so if we read those three verses, the two Proverbs and the one from Ephesians, it says don't lose control. It says when people come at you and they're angry, respond gently. It says in your anger, do not sin. And it says, when you have this anger and it wells up inside of you, saying, get it out. You know, whatever you have to do before you go to bed to talk it through, work it out, that kind of thing. And so the, 
the anger that we feel is not the problem. Anger is not a bad thing. It's what we do with the anger. And I look at it that we have two choices as it pertains to anger. Here's the first one. We can get angry about the wrong things, okay? Or, it's our other choice, we can get angry about the right things. And so I want to take a second and I want to talk about getting angry about the wrong things. If you guys are like me, we get upset about the stupidest, the pettiest, the most ridiculous things in the world. Somebody driving slow on the freeway or the lady at Costco that cut me in line. I mean, in the end, who really cares? We get mad at these things, and what happens is our ego and our pride, they shine through. There's like, oh, you can totally see what's going on inside that person. My buddy Tim, he was my college roommate for three years. Awesome dude. So I have his permission to tell the story, just in case, because it's, it's kind of raunchy, but <laughs> I'll tell you guys anyways. But, um, so Tim's an awesome dude. He's going to law school next fall. He's one of the most brilliant people that I know. I love this guy to death. I talk to him a couple times a month. You know, and so here's the only thing with Tim. Tim tends to flip out from time to time. I mean, he would just go nuts. And so being the stellar friend that I am, I would encourage him to flip out sometimes. Let me tell you how I do that. So we play this game called Mario Tennis. Play it on Nintendo 64. The great thing about Mario Tennis is you have four players. Four people can play. And so Tim and I would always be in the same team. And our, our other roommates would come in, and we'd just kick their butt left and right. We were pretty good. I know the game of tennis, and so we just beat them, you know, handedly. But sometimes I would purposely lose the game. Okay, so I'd look over at my other buddies, and I would wink, and he would, he would wink back, and we would know that I'm going to throw this game so that Tim flips out. <laughs> and so I would purposely lose the game, and Tim would go postal. Okay, he would kick holes in walls. He would break controllers. He would go on rampages through the house. One day, he broke the doors to the shower. He was so angry, and he was shaking them and beating them. And my roommates and I, we'd be on the ground laughing, just watching Tim. Be like, are you kidding me? And so we just laughed at his expense time and time again. And he never got that I threw the game until I told him this week on the phone. He's like, are you kidding me, Ryan? He was so angry with me. And so I said, on the phone, I said, hey, Tim, have you flipped out recently? And he said, Ryan, he goes, I'm embarrassed to tell you, but I'll tell you the story. So um, he works at a college, and he has his very own parking spot. Okay, he knew that his car was in the shop, so he told one of his friends, he's like, hey, park in my spot, it's closer, you'll be good. And so the, the campus police officer sees that there's a car that's not Tim's parked in Tim's spot. So he writes the guy a ticket, okay, puts it under his windshield wipers. Tim is walking through the campus, and he sees this ticket on the car, and he storms over, pulls the ticket out, goes straight to the administrator's office, and he's like, hey, this ticket is ridiculous, I want to appeal it, he shouldn't have to pay it, he's in my spot. And the administrator's like, well, sorry, Tim, you have to go through the, through the appeal process. And so Tim is just like, oh, gosh. So he has to write a paper and explain why this ticket is not legit and he shouldn't have to pay it. So a couple of weeks go by, and Tim is sitting at his desk one day, and his phone rings. So he answers his phone. Hello, this is Tim. And it's the appeals lady. And she's like, hey, Tim, we just want to let you know that we denied your claim. Your buddy's going to have to pay for this parking ticket. Tim flips out. He gets so angry, he takes his fist and hits it on his wooden desk as hard as he can hit it. He breaks his hand. Okay? <laughs> So Tim tells me this, and I'm just laughing. Typical, typical Tim. You know, some things never, ever change. His anger got the best of him. And the reality is, is that you and I are just a few steps away from pulling a Tim. You know, if just a few more things went wrong in our lives, we'd flip out exactly the same way. Came across this video this week. It's one of the most watched videos on YouTube. Has several million hits. And what it is, it's, it's of a manager who flips out because the umpire made the wrong call in his mind. And so he just goes nuts. And so watch this guy and watch how he responds to anger. 
And keep in mind that it was shot by an amateur in the stands who's like, are you kidding me? And so he pulls out his camera and he starts filming this guy going nuts on the baseball field. Minor league manager fired up. That's Philip Wellman of the Mississippi Braves, and uh, just watch. great, isn't it? Our anger can get the best of us. It can be embarrassment to our friends, to our family, to our coworkers. And before we know it, we're like, what in the world happened? Imagine if this manager, if he had those, those verses from Proverbs, imagine if he had those ingrained on his heart, you know, in his head. And he's like, all right, a fool loses his anger. I'm going to keep myself under control. Or I'm going to answer back to the umpire in a gentle way. You know, I think he would have had a totally different response and we wouldn't watch the video. Yeah, but so many of us, we get caught up in the emotion and the act, and we just go wild and crazy. And so I want to throw out a disclaimer here, guys. If you're here this morning, and you're angry, and you're angry because you've been abused, or you've been raped, or you've been backstabbed or betrayed, I want you to know that that anger that you feel is totally 100% normal, okay? It's, it's not fair, and it's not right, but it's normal. And here's the amazing thing about Jesus is that he wants to come in right now and he wants to come into your soul and in your life and he wants to say, hey, I believe in you like no one else and I love you just the way you are. And he wants to bring healing and restoration to your soul. And he wants you to be a complete person from, from head to toe. That's his desire. And so if that's you today, it is totally normal to feel that anger. But here's the reality, and this is the crappy part of it, is that we have to deal with it. If that's us, we have to deal with it or else we're going to be bitter, angry people to the very end. And so if that's you today, you know, find a friend, a counselor, a pastor, whatever, and start to work through that anger because in the end, we have to get it out or it's going to eat you alive. And one more, one more note on that. God is the avenger, okay? God promises in Scripture time and time again that he is the one that's going to make things right. It's not our job to get even with that person and to make it right in our eyes. He promises that in the end, he's going to take care of it all. So if that's you today, we want you to know that we are so glad that you're here. And invite God into that. Invite Jesus in to say, Jesus, I have this anger. I don't know what to do with it or how to get it out, but I need to. And he'll rush in and he'll do that. And he loves you more than anyone else on the planet. But we got to start working through it if we're going to be complete and whole people. So anger, 
We know that it can get the best of us. We know that if we're not careful, it'll give us a bad reputation and people will avoid us like the plague. They want to have absolutely nothing to do with this. So it's something that we got to get a grip on. We cannot go through our lives getting angry at the wrong things. So I want to talk a minute about getting angry with the, about the right things, okay? Things that are worth getting angry about. I just want to set this up. I don't want us as K2, you know, my kids someday, I don't want us to be a bunch of spineless, wussy people who are passive and everything. I want us to be people who take life by the horns, but who get angry at the right things, things that are worthwhile. Because when we get angry about the wrong things, we're like little whiny kids you know, who don't get their way that we just don't want to even be around from time to time. I know exactly what that's like. I work with high school and middle school students, so I know from time to time they can be whiny, and you're just like, dude, get over it. It's not a big deal. The same is true, I think, when people look at us. They're like, man, Ryan, it's really not a big deal that the guy was driving slow in the fast lane in the end. So let's talk about this anger over worthwhile things, things that are worth getting angry about. Do you guys know that Jesus got angry? Mark 3, verse 1. Listen to this. This is really, really cool. This has hugely enlightened my life. It says, another time he went into the synagogue. So Jesus is going into the synagogue, which is like the church of the day. And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he could heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man, stand up in front of everyone. So he goes into the church, church area. The religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, were out watching. And they're trying to get, get dirt on Jesus. And so they're like, is he going to heal this guy on the Sabbath? You can't do anything on the Sabbath. You have to keep holy the Sabbath. And so Jesus says to this man, who has a shriveled up hand, he says, stand up in front of everyone. So he does that. Then Jesus asked him, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save to save life or to kill? He asked the Pharisees this, but they remained silent. says this next, he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, the man who needed his hand healed, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. So Jesus got angry. He got angry at the religious leaders, the Pharisees of the day. And if you look up the Greek word for anger there, it means an emotion that came and then left. And so, but here's the crazy part when I was reading this. Jesus got angry at the Pharisees, but what did his anger lead him to do? His anger led him to heal this man's hand. Okay, if it was me, I'd be angry, and I'd go over and I'd knock the Pharisees out. I'd punch them left and right and call them every name in the book. That's not the response that Jesus had. Jesus's, Jesus's anger led to healing a man. He made this world a better place as a result of his anger. What a way to handle it. And so for me, gang, I'm in the process of learning this, that when we have anger, we have to use it for things that are worthwhile, for causes that are worth giving your life to. And so a few times in my life have I, has this principle played out. I just want to tell you about a story where one time it has. I was in Los Angeles two summers ago with 30 high school students. We're from Indiana, go to Los Angeles, and we're going to help the people of LA. And so we're walking through the streets and doing amazing ministry. I'd love to tell you about it someday. But one day, we decided we we're going to take a city search. And so we're downtown Los Angeles, and we're having our students do various activities throughout Los Angeles, like figure out how much a one-bedroom apartment is and what it would take for rent versus getting a job and that kind of thing. So I think we have a picture. This is my team. So we're one-bedroom apartment, $1,800 in Los Angeles downtown, and it's not even nice. And you're just like, holy smokes. I understand why there's so many homeless people in L.A., so we're walking through the city, doing cool stuff. We come up on the Disney Philharmonic. That's the picture, the building we have in the background here. I think we have another picture of it too. You probably have seen it in commercials. Guess how much it costs to build. 
tell the person next to you. Guess real quick. So $250 million. And it doesn't even hold that many people, like about this many or so, maybe a few more. But I remember thinking, $250 million? And the reason why it impacted me so much was that two streets over is Skid Row. Okay, Skid Row is the craziest, the dirtiest, the most unsafe place in the United States. They'll have prostitution, drug deals, kids growing up on the streets, shootings all within the same hour. Okay, two streets over, the craziest place I've ever been. So what happens, the police come a couple times a year and they blow a whistle and the people know that they pick up their stuff and go and they take a big bulldozer and they bulldoze all the trash. Okay, the places where people live in the cardboard boxes. And they dump it in a dumpster and they take it away. Police officers won't even drive their cars down some parts of Skid Row. Absolutely crazy. And it's two blocks away from the Disney Philharmonic. I just found myself getting angry. And I'm just like, this is just wrong. So we're walking along the streets of Los Angeles and we decide we're going to go check out the courthouse, the place where OJ did his big trial and crazy stuff happens all the time in the LA courthouse. And so we're walking along and on our way up to the courthouse, I see this marble bench. I see a man sleeping on it. We have a picture of it. Look at this. So there's a guy sleeping there. God just totally nudges my heart to go and talk to this man that's there. Go introduce myself. His name is Raymond. Okay, he's been sleeping on this marble bench for five months. Raymond has been homeless since 1983. His wife kicked him out of his house. And I'm like, Raymond, what are you doing on the streets? He's like, Ryan, he's like, I get a job, but I can't afford rent. You know, and I was like, no kidding. At $1,800, I understand why. And so I said, what's it like living on the streets? And he's like, Ryan, it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And he proceeds to tell me that he has a shopping cart, that he keeps all of his belongings in, you know, his blankets, his clothes, his food, his water. And apparently in Los Angeles, it's illegal to have shopping carts outside of the grocery store. And so what happens is the police officers come over and they write him up a ticket. Like, here you go, Raymond, another ticket for your shopping cart. But he's like, I can't get rid of my shopping cart because then where do I put all my stuff? And so... One day, the police officer writes him a ticket, and he's like, take me to jail. He tells the police officer, I want a warm bed, I want a hot shower, I want to watch cable TV, you know, just take me to jail. And the police officer just laughs and writes him his ticket and goes on about his business. And so Raymond's frustrated, so he doesn't know what to do. And so he decides one day, he's going to take his shopping cart, and he rams it through the local check-and-go, the big window that's out front, just rams it through. The police officers come, and he's smiling, and he says, lock me up, baby. You know, take me to jail. I want to watch cable TV. So the police officers take him to jail, okay, get him his cable TV. And one day, he's sitting there watching the cable television, okay, and he sees the mayor of Los Angeles come on, and the mayor proceeds to tell the people of LA they have $1.2 million, not million, $1.2 billion they're going to use to relocate the homeless people in LA to outside the city. Okay, they're going to get them jobs, get them on their feet again, get them education, get them everything they need to be sustained for the rest of their lives. And so Raymond's in jail and he is excited. So the second he gets out of jail, guess where he goes? He goes to the courthouse and he's like, hey, get me signed up for that program. He says, the mayor talked about on TV, I want in. I want to get relocated. I want a job. I want a house. I just can't seem to do it. And the courthouse just gives him the runaround. And so Raymond has been waiting out there for five months in front of the courthouse. And he says he's waiting for the mayor to do something. Every time he sees one of the people, he tells them, but he's like, I don't know what else to do. And so I'm sitting there with my team, guys, and I found myself getting angry. I got angry at the mayor. I got angry at the promises that were not delivered. You know, and so I said, we gotta do something about it. And so we grabbed our team and we're like, what can we do? And I was like, gang, let's go talk to the stinking mayor. 
You know, and they're like, all right. And so we're fired up and we go in the courthouse and we're like, we're here to see the mayor. And they're like, okay. And I'm just, just kind of like shake my head. I'm like, okay, seriously? Yeah, they're like third, third floor, you know? And so we go up to the third floor. His secretary is right there. And so I said, we're here to see the mayor. I want to talk to him about an issue that I'm having. And then the, and the secretary's like, well, actually he's in Sacramento. And I'm like my heart, oh, are you kidding me? You know, and so I said, well, what can we do? And the lady's like, I don't know. There's, I guess there, you can write a note. I was like, no, I want to talk to one of, the re- one of the mayor's people. I know that you always have people, like in your government, like it's this little crowd kind of thing. Just send me one of his people. And so the lady's like, okay, I'll send you one of his top representatives. Perfect. So the top representative comes down, and I tell him all about Raymond. I give him how to get a hold of him, his condition, his shape. He's sleeping right out on your marble bench, right out here. And the, and the representative says, Ryan, I will hand deliver this to the mayor. I'm going to see what we can do to get Raymond in affordable housing we're going to do something about it. So I grab our team, and we go to Walgreens, and we get Raymond a huge care package with blankets and toenail clippers and all kinds of crazy stuff, and we take it to him, and I said, hey, Raymond, we talked to the mayor's representative, and he's going to do something about it. Raymond's jaw drops. Okay, he's shocked. He's just like, are you kidding me? Because I think his life was full of people that promised a lot but delivered very, very little, and we were different in, our, in his eyes. And so I started thinking, man, the anger that I felt towards the mayor and towards these people, it, I used it for good, for something that, that would end up blessing Raymond in the end. And so, gang, we have to learn to use our anger, not for destructive things, but for things that are going to bless people and do good in this society and this world. And so that, that's the crossroads that we stand at every single day. We have a choice. Am I going to use my anger that I feel for harmful, destructive things, getting mad about pointless stuff that in the end is really not going to matter? Or am I going to get angry about worthwhile causes, things that I can get on board with and do something about? And so the question comes up, so what do I do when I'm driving in the fast lane and some dude's going really slow? Or, you know, somebody, there's a situation that arises where I can just flip out and get angry. I found a couple of things in this book. So uh, Make Anger Your Ally, Neil Clark Warren, great book if, if anger's an issue for you. But um, in the Bible, and I talked to some friends, here's a couple of things you can do when you start to get angry. You can jot these down if you think they'll be helpful for you. Here's the first one, is allow Jesus to enter into your anger. Invite him in and say, hey, I don't know why, but I am starting to flip out here. Just allow him to bring healing from that. Another one is if you're in a meeting, call for a coffee break. Like, all right, here we go, 10 minutes, coffee break, go grab a Coke, go for a walk outside and just catch some fresh air and be like, all right, why am I feeling this way? You know, get to get the core of the issue. If you can let things roll off your back, when somebody screws up or they slam on you or whatever, if you can just be like, all right, it's going to come on my back and then it's going to roll right off. You know, that's a great way to deal with it. One of the things that I do is I love to go see movies. If I get really, really angry or upset, I'll just hop in my car, turn off my cell phone. You know, of course, if you're going to a movie, always shut off your phone. But, <laughs> but uh, go see a movie, one of those violent killer shoot movies. I escape from reality for a moment, you know, and then I come back and I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go, ready to take on the world again. Do not, do not email when you're angry, okay? That's the worst plan in the world because inflection and tone are everything. When you're just like, da-da-da-da-da, send, that's the worst idea. Well, one of the values here at K2 is that we will speak the truth in love. Notice that we don't say we will write the truth in love or type, you know, I think it's important that we, we go to that person and we're just like, all right, here you go. I'm going to lay it out face-to-face and that kind of thing. Uh, don't destroy people. I've been destroyed and I've, and I've destroyed people and it's not a good way because people don't bounce back from that. They'll stop contributing from there on out. 
if we can sit and think, think, all right, why am I really angry? Do I feel unimportant? Is that the issue that's going on? Another thing I do is sometimes I go to my happy place, which for me, it's ESPN.com, okay? And I read about the Indianapolis Colts and how terrible the Ohio State Buckeyes are now, you know, since they lost yesterday. And it's one of the things that I'll escape and go there for like five minutes. I'm good to go after that. Another thing you can do is you can bless the socks off of somebody, someone that you're angry with. Go and buy them a pair of shoes, a candy bar, take them out to lunch. You know, do something to just bless the person that you feel this anger towards, and it starts to go away. You can pray for that person. You know, just right there say, all right, I'm going to start praying for this person that I feel angry towards. Here's the last one. I think this is the biggest, is that we have to forgive, guys. When someone, when someone is, makes us angry or does something stupid, we have to be people who are willing to forgive and say, you know what? I'm going to do all I can to make the situation right. And a lot of times, the forgiveness is more for our sake than it is for the other people. Otherwise, if we don't forgive them, these people are going to dominate our thoughts, our emotions, our spirits, our dream. You know, they're going to, everything. I remember just this last couple of weeks, I was laying in bed at night, angry at somebody, and thinking of all the responses that I could say to this person when they said something stupid. That's like the worst plan in the world. You know, but if I can learn to forgive them and move on, it's going to make me a better person and them too. And so here's the reality, guys, is that when we get angry, it awakens a beast inside of us, a beast that's to be reckoned with, that will be destructive and kill things or do great things for the kingdom of God. My question for you and for me is, does your anger, does my anger make this world a better place? Does it contribute something to society? Because guys, what is it that makes you angry? What is it that stirs your heart like nothing else? Is it racism or abuse you know, or injustice? You know, I don't know what it is for you, but let's be people here at K2 who get angry about the right things and we do something about it. And like Jesus did, Jesus brought peace and restoration with his anger. My prayer for me and my kids someday and you guys is that every time we get angry, that we would bring peace and restoration to this world. So what would happen? A couple weeks ago, I spent 15 hours in an airport. I was so frustrated. I was ready to write a letter to the airline telling them how ridiculous they were. What would happen if I used that same anger that I felt towards this airline, towards world hunger? I think that in a few months, a few years, world hunger would be eliminated because it's one of those, those emotions that comes up and it will do anything to get it done. You know, and so may we as a church, as a community, be a group of people who learn to become aware of our anger and may we channel it into something beautiful that brings restoration to this world. That's my hope and desire. We're gonna change gears now. We're gonna shift them. And we're gonna take our offering here in a minute. I came across this proverb the other night. I was just reading Proverbs in bed. And here's what it says. It says, Proverbs 3, honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. And I thought, you know what? So many times in life do I, I give God my absolute worst. I give him what's left over at the end of the month, what's left over at the end of the day with my time. Let's take this morning and through worship and through offering, let's give God our absolute best. And if you're here this morning and you're visiting, don't feel any pressure. But if you want to give to God and say, God, here's my best, you know, let's do it today through offering and through worship. We're so glad that you guys are here. Enjoy this time.